welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen. Good morning. Sorry, I'm just getting here. I was at the Zion Baptist today preaching up the street, Historic Zion. I couldn't say no to them. It's a historic church in the city. We wouldn't be here without them, um, their legacy and their ministry. Where Fresh Grocer is, is where uh, the late, um, we call him the Lion from Zion. He started uh, a lot of the LLCs in the community that helped build up North Philly. And so when they asked me to come, I couldn't say no. I said, what time is your service? I said, all right. I said, I said okay. And, um, and so we, uh, we made our hurry here. It's just up the street. And so we thank God for the legacy. They got a young pastor, Pastor Harrison, keep him in his, pray- keep him in his prayers. He's 32, first church. So, and it's an older church, so you do the math. Um, so, um, and so he's, but he's, he's working through things. And um, we're going to be, hopefully, Lord say the same, just connecting with more ministries in our community. Um, building relationships with them and um, just figuring out what we can do together. And so me going, me going there was a way of me saying, um, uh, let's do it. I was with a pastor around the corner uh, and um, he was asking for mentorship and just wanting to connect. And so uh, hopefully God will spark some good gospel connections with churches in the neighborhood and, um, and we'll see what the Lord does. Amen. Well, we're in a new series today. Um, it was fun going today because my, my youngest son, he's like, Daddy, I want to go. I've never been to a church like that before. I was like, like what? <laughs> so he's just in the pastor's office all around. He's just, you know, you know, um, and it's, you know, beautiful edifice and stuff. And so it's great having him there. My wife was there with me and uh, just wanting to be with me. And so I thank you all for being with me. All right. New series, Romans 14 verses 13 through 23. I don't, I don't want us to read all those verses. Um, we're going to go from verses 13 uh, to 17, but I'm going to teach some more of that. But I, w- I want us to read verses uh, 13 in chapter 14 of Romans to verse 17. All right, let's go. One, two, three. Therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, never to... Yeah. Today, um, I'm starting, we're starting a new series called Christian Liberties. Um, Today, I will be talking about liberties versus legalism. Liberties versus legalism. Let's go before the Lord. God, what a day we live in. God, I'm praying for times of refreshing for us. Lord God, that um, we as the people of God would really... Uh, experience a significant level of revival um, and that your heart and your mind would really descend upon us. We already had the mind of Christ. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that we would believe what you say about everything. Like just believe and live in it and walk in it. We live in such a time of argumentation and questions and wondering. And I, and I get it. But Lord God, at some point, we got to live something. And so, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody get what that said? Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Um, so, 
I know you're wondering why I started this series. Um, well, over the years, um, I didn't realize how much culture changed. But I, I, it's not only that I didn't realize how much culture changed. Younger people that were becoming Christians, we, I mean, when Epiphany started, we had 50% new believers. So pretty much everybody that was at the church, half of them, we led to Jesus. So, or come to Jesus by some means. And so, but when they were coming to Christ, um, it was, and, and then even the ones that were believers really didn't have any adult Christian church experience. So you can only imagine what we had to work through ecologically in the church. And so the church has always been young uh, for the most part. Ever, I don't even know what our median age is anymore. I just stop. I just say, how old are you? Okay, cool. Um, like, I know people do. Uh, we need to probably do that. But... Um, we're still a pretty young church, not just in age of years of existence, but also in um, the age of those who attend, by and large. And that's a good thing because it keeps vibrance, but it also is a challenging thing because there's a wisdom curve, right? And so with that wisdom curve, uh, beginning to think through and work through and talk through so many different things, and particularly Christian liberties, so many liberties have come up um, in our time together. I mean, I can't tell you how many things have come up. I'm just looking at something real quick. It, I mean, when I talk about liberties that have come up and people working through it, I, I, got, I, I love y'all, so y'all DM me a lot. I love y'all. And so I, I got tired of D, getting the DMs, so that I, not because I don't want to hear from you, but say I got to get a concerted way of answering all these questions. And then... I put out on um, Instagram just how many of y'all would want something on Christian, and I couldn't believe the response. And so you all responded. And so I'm going to be talking about so many different things. I'm pulling it up now. Um, we're going to be talking about cursing and foul language. <laughs> y'all laughing, but you know it's a thing now that cursing isn't a curse. So we'll talk about that. We're going to be talking about drinking, smoking, whatever and drugs. I'm going to do a live on fraternities and sororities. I'm not going to do that from the pulpit. I want to do that in a more modesty, scantily dressed and designer clothing. Uh-oh, y'all quiet on that one. <laughs> Another one is going to be dating and wise courtship and sexuality under that shacking physical contact and self-pleasure. They're like, oh, like, we're going to talk about that from church, pastor, <laughs> Reverend Doctor? Uh, R-rated movies and secular music. Somebody's like, I don't even care about that. I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> I heard it in your heart. I heard it in your heart. <laughs> and so, uh, I, and I hope to turn this into a curriculum and a book so that people can, it can be a help to them. And so, and so today, though, one of the things when we think about Christian liberty um, the thing that concerns me about it is we only think about it in terms of what can I do, right? What can I do that's enjoyable, that's taboo, that I can do and be happy that I'm a Christian and God still lets me do it, right? But the foundation for Christian liberty isn't whether you can hold hands, kiss, smoke a cigar, smoke cigarettes, or drink wine and whiskey. That's not the foundation of Christian liberty. So let's define it. Let's define it because, because we start there. But the word liberty means freedom. Okay? So Christian liberty is the freedom we have in Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life in every area of life. That's the foundational meaning of liberty. So we talk about liberty. We talk about this. We're talking about really, I mean, some of y'all that ain't never listened to a sermon, y'all looking like a mug today at the thing. Y'all looking. It's okay. I'm just messing with you. Christian liberty is the freedom we have in Jesus. That's where it starts. I want you to really let that soak in. Let, let that, um, let it soak in because I, you know, I've been guilty of that. What's your Christian liberty? Well, the foundation is that you're free to walk in newness of life. So where biblically do we go for that? Okay. You can start putting these up. So the first one is Romans chapter six, right? Just the whole chapter. But so that talks about being raised to newness of life. So Romans chapter 6, raised to newness of life. 
It talk about us living a resurrected life. God saved you to live a resurrected life, right? Colossians 3, putting off the old self, putting on the new self, right? That's, that's the second one, right? And so when we look at this and we, we frame this, this is, this is where we're at, right? Ephesians 4 talks about putting off the old man, putting on the new man. That's the foundation for Christian freedom. One of my favorite verses in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, for freedom Christ has set us free. So in Galatians 5 through chapter 6, it talks about the freedom to bear proper fruit, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. John 8, 32, I mean, 31 and 32 and 36 is truth making us free, right? He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So really, it's more framed around that. So Christian liberty, y'all going to let me build a foundation, ain't you? Christian liberty is ultimately eternal life in Jesus, Freedom from the normal consequences of sin. That's the foundation of Christian liberty. Stay with me. Because I really want us to understand that what, what liberty is brought for. Christians are also freed from the power of sin in our lives. When we look at uh, re returning to Romans chapter 6, verse 14, says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace. Christian liberty can mean that we no longer are controlled by sin, but the righteousness of God. So when we look at our foundational framework and motivation, this is what it is. So Christian liberty also means that we have been freed to engage in any activity not expressly forbidden in the Bible. Okay? Uh-oh. They look at they listen to that part, right? So I want, us to, I, want us to, I want us to get into that. So when we look at that reality of that, we're looking at Christian liberty as your foundational identity as a Christian. That's, that's the most important thing. And so if you understand you're free from sin, you don't have to wild out no more, you have to lose your mind no more, but now you're free to walk in the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, love. You, you, you're, you're, you're able to walk in, if you will, uh, 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 what God wants you to be able to walk. You're, you're no longer under Satan's tyranny. The Bible says in Colossians 2 that Jesus Christ disarmed the rulers and authorities on the cross. So now, Satan, now you have power to fight what Satan says to you. Oh, I wish I was back at Zion now because I ain't got nobody in here today. Uh, but, 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 you're, but you're no longer captive to his will. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that he used to molest our mind. But now in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says we have the mind of Christ. So, so, so we're different now. We're, we're different now. It, 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 even though you have the mind of Christ, you have to have the information of the mind of Christ in it. Just because you have the mind of Christ doesn't mean the word of God is in you. That's why you have to be transformed by the renewing of your personal mind so that you can align it with God's mind in Christ. So that's why uh, now what, what, what happens is you ha having the mind of Christ means you have the capacity to think like Jesus. That's crazy, right? So, so this is superlatively important that the gospel has freed us to be Christ lookalikes. So our supreme goal in life, the Bible says in Romans 8, 29, that he has predestined us to be conformed to the imago Christi, the image of Jesus Christ. That's that, like, like, what's your purpose in life? What's my purpose in life, Pastor? To look like Jesus. That's it. That, that, that's it. Like you ask him, what's my purpose? What's my, no, 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 no. Without that purpose, nothing else makes sense. So let me build a little more. Um, so let's define a few things. Let's define legalism, licentiousness, and the law of Christ. Okay? Legalism is believing that we can earn or keep favor with God by what we do. That's legalism. So the legalistic person, right, the legalistic person um, is the person that adds rules to what God has already said to help you to keep God's rules, okay? So one time Jesus, said, they said, your disciples don't wash their hands, and they believed that hands were from the tip of your fingers to the elbows, and that's how you wash your hands, but that's nowhere in the law. But they added that as a way 
to keep them from being unclean. But, but when that practice is added to what God said for so long, you don't tell the difference between what the elders said in, in their culture and what God said. And so that's why Jesus had to come on the scene and explain God because they didn't know the difference uh, but, but between the Mishnah and the Messiah. They didn't know the difference. And so, and so in, in other words, they let man's commentary on God's word equate to God's word. And so what happens, legalistic people are always policing other people's sanctification. <laughs> Y'all ain't talking back to me. Uh, um, so, 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 so listen, it flows from the failure to be humble, broken, amazed, and satisfied by the grace of God in Christ. Okay? And so, so, the, so, so when we look at legalistic people, most legalistic people I know that are real stringent, real hyper-righteous, look over their nose at you, are usually the most bound to sin. People that's always judging somebody and got a reason why somebody can't do this and you didn't do that and I can't believe this and you trolling people on every post about the, you sending verses to everybody all the time and, and you got something to say about everything in somebody else's life but you got some dark stuff in your little nasty soul and you're utilizing your legalism as a way to cover up how broken you actually are. Ain't nothing worse than no legalistic person. Let's go to licentiousness. Licentiousness. The doing what one pleases without regard to the rights of others. It differs in liberty. Licentiousness isn't freedom, family. It's not restrained by any law. That means that's the person that says, I'm in Christ, I'm going to heaven, I can do what I want to do. Now, we got a lot of that going on. We say, you say, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. When somebody says it like that with that little tonation, I'm a Christian. I, when they go up like that and come back down, they're trying to convince themselves while they're talking to you. Right? <laughs> it's, it's because you're looking at them like they're crazy because they don't have any restraints. They just do what they want to do and think that the gospel is fire insurance for later but not fire for living right now. And so, and so when, we, when, 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 that, when that happens, then it, it, it's, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer called it cheap grace. That's what he called it. He, he said cheap grace is when you think you can abandon hell through faith in Christ, but live a hellish life. And so for us, that, that's so, so legalism, Y'all trekking with me, right? So legalism and licentiousness are two extremes. They're, they're the extremes. They're the extremes of both sides. One thinks freedom means I base my identity off of what I don't do. The other side bases their identity on all that they can do. Are you with me? Super important. But is there a medium? The law of Christ. The law of Christ. What is it? As a Christian, he or she is neither under the law nor without law. <laughs> that is such a good statement. So Paul says, with, with, the, with, with those under the law, I become as one under the law, yet not under the law, but under grace, under the law of Christ. So we're under a law. It's two laws we live by. We fulfill the, we walk in Christ's fulfillment of the law. We do not fulfill the law because he already fulfilled it. So how do you sum up the law? Deuteronomy 6, Leviticus chapter 18. He put those two together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you kind of live by that principle, you pretty much avoid a lot of sin. I'm just, I'm just telling you, but now it has to be informed by the Bible, though. So you got to say, you got to inform, the Bible has to inform you what love looks like, right? And so, so, uh, so we're not without law. Let, let's, let's, let's go into this. So, so Paul, in this passage, is dealing with the same type of things that we deal with today, just in a different context. There were a lot of uh, Jews in Rome, uh, and there were a lot of Gentiles, of course, in Rome. 
And when the Gentiles, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when the Gentiles were becoming Christians, because Jews had a certain cultural milieu that they came from, these people coming into the synagogue and in their sphere with their Gentile culture was, was, was harsh on them. You know, I mean, can you imagine somebody like, like this never ate pork? You know, you in the backyard roasting a pig like this. Come on in, brother. He, he ain't like this. He about to do like seven or something. You know, pork just everywhere. You know, you know, uh, um, 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 and, and, and so, I mean, it, it, you know, Hebrew going to a luau, is, they would lose their mind. Because culturally, they, they just never would have interacted. And then, they, then, then he wipes his hands up and say, hi, brother, welcome, with, with, with pork grease on his hands, right? And so they're like, look, you can't do that, right? You got to be sensitive because that brother is still there. And so there's a way you have, I'm getting ahead of myself, you have to work. So there's three people, y'all with me? There's three people that he's talking to here, which is super important. He's talking, Paul here is talking to three types of people. Number one, he's talking to legalistic people. He's talking to licentious people. And number three, he's talking to the weak. Okay, so he wants each one of them to know how to walk as free Christians and still be brotherly and peaceful with one another. So this is super important, and, 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 and he's going to gospel them. So, so, so I got 1.1.0 only. Love matters most. That's it. Love matters most. Okay? Look at verse 13. It says, therefore, let us, I like us, no longer judge one another. Stop right there. Now, what I like that what Paul is doing Keep the verse up there. What I like what Paul is doing here is Paul is setting the foundation for, he's saying, based on where each one of you are, don't make a rash judgment about your brother because they're doing something that you don't agree with and it's not sinful. You understand? So that means to the person that's doing something that's not sinful but it's bothering you, you can't condemn them as if they're sinning. Right. But then he says, listen, don't judge them saying, man, join us. We're going to talk about that in a second. And then he even talks to the weak about not judging. Right. We're going to work through that. So he said, but, but that doesn't mean we don't judge things. I, you know, the one I, I, I want to one day do a, 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 a series on misquoted verse, most misquoted verses in the Bible. I just want to do a whole like 50 week series on it. But. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but one is this, it's the Bible says don't judge, but it says no, don't judge if you're doing the same thing. That's called hypocrisy. <laughs> and so people, people say, but the Bible says we'll judge the angels. It's crazy. So the Bible doesn't say don't judge, it says don't judge if you're doing the same thing. But he's saying here in this particular situation, he's saying making a harsh identity or dispositional branding of a person's character because of what they choose or choose not to do in their Christian freedom. Okay? So look, it says instead this, this is this is this is the one. This is this is this is this is dope here. He says instead decide never to put listen to the strength of the language. It says instead decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. Wow. I like one of my, one of my favorite ministry verses is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Paul says, we live in such a way that no one will stumble over our ministry. Right? Listen to the conviction of that. That as a Christian walking in our freedom in Christ, I want to live in such a way where people are impacted and stumble and we'll define stumble because all of us ain't stumbling we just judgmental okay and so when I, when I talk about stumbling the word stumbling block means any cause that results in a person sinning 
It's not right here in this text specifically. We'll get to 1 Corinthians 8, 9, 10 later in, in another sermon. That has to do with non-Christians as well as Christians. This has to do with just in the Christian community, even though it can apply to non-Christians. But here, that means that if I know somebody struggles with smoking weed, somebody said, that's a struggle? Um, I've heard so many people, weed not addicting. Well, why you keep smoking it? <laughs> My friends used to say that. Um, I can stop. I can stop. Stop. No. I thought you said you could stop. I don't want to stop. Well, you're addicted. No, I'm not. Like, wow, okay. I'm confused. But that, if you got medical marijuana and you're in there smoking and the person like this, you know, you can't do that around them. Right? 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 We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about some things in this series, y'all. You know? Um, so if we call if our freedom causes someone to sin. If it causes someone to sin, we have to restrict our freedom because of proximity or we have to do it forever. We'll talk about that in a second. So so sometimes you have to stop. You just can't do that around them. Like, again, this is superlatively important, right? Can't do it around them. So he says, in any case, case, whether a prevention of righteous action or promoting sinful behavior. So it says, not putting a stumbling block in front of that person. Then he he says it again. He said, or a pitfall (laughs) in the way of your brother or sister means a trap. He says, don't let your freedom be used by Satan to set a trap for your brother or sister in Christ. That's, that's, That's a super thing. One of the things that I'm concerned about today is that, and, and, and this is not a beat up, I, I, would, I, I would say, and I'm going to get into more of this in the series, I think this generation with social media, you, you're going to have to decide to think biblically when you post. And I'm not even talking about, sin, I'm not saying sinful stuff, I'm saying, like, is, what, is, what is this post doing to someone? Like, and with, with a lot of the young, young people I follow, there, there is a trend of, I don't really care what's a stumbling block to you, I'm living my life. Someone said, I'm doing, it's kind of like you, your, your mindset is really, I live according to what makes me happy, and if you don't like it, you're a hater. It's kind of it's that feel I get, it's kind of this, this feel I get from it, and, 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 and I'm saying in being a Christian, a mature Christian, you, 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 you have to upgrade how you think about that. Um, You have to even say, have you ever asked yourself, am I being a stumbling block to someone? If you've never asked that question of yourself, you got some growing to do. There's so many, listen, there's some stuff, listen, hey, I want to tell some people some stuff online. Now, I have the Holy Spirit and Yvette Mason. And so, <laughs> so I know, like if somebody say something, every now and then, I want to, I want to, I, I want to, in Jesus' name, you know, give somebody the gas, <laughs> verbally, but that's not sinful. It's not sinful, though, but I'm telling the truth. So usually when I'm like that, I bring the text or whatever to my wife. <laughs> my sister, that's wisdom. And my wife will look at it. She says, baby. She, that's, that's how I know. You know what I'm saying? She says, you're right. You're really, really right. But I think this is below you. She'll say, with the platform you have, you have to, you, you have, to whom much is given as much is required, baby. I'll be like, man, you know, I just. <laughs> I always got to use the Bible. And... I got freedom, though. She said, but she's like, you, you wouldn't be wrong if you sent it. It just ain't a good look. That's all I need to hear. You need some people like that in your life. 
Listen, uh, you need, uh, you know, and so, and so, and so, because what I said could have downgraded someone's respect. And so, and so, and so, there, there are things in your life that's more important than your personal preferential freedoms. That's a good word. There's a difference between core freedoms and preferential freedoms. What we're talking about today is preferential freedoms, not core freedoms. Let's give a core freedom. Share the gospel. Walk in love. Not return evil for evil. Insult for insult. Work or you won't eat. Right? Those are commands, right? Preferences. Clubbing. Oh, it's quiet. Dinner mug in here. I'm like, Pastor, don't, I knew, I'm not coming for, just listen to me, y'all. Just listen to me. I'm not going to, listen, I'm going to tell you the spirit of this series. I'm going to teach it. I'm going to teach it. But one of the things that I, I want you to do is I want you to open your hand before Jesus. I want you to bring your non-core freedoms to the cross. <laughs> and, and say, Jesus, I really, really, really like this freedom. But if it affects your glory here. Listen, 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 listen. If God say don't drink now, you can have all you want when he come back. <laughs> all you want. And you won't get drunk. Your new body don't have any issues. It's about another one, bartender. I'm in heaven. Jesus right there. Another one, another one. Dry this time. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying, I'm, but I'm not saying you have to give anything up. But I'm saying just consider. Like when it's not, I'm just, let me just give you some, some almost 30, 30 years now, Christian experience. Whenever you're afraid to pray for something that God may call you to sacrifice, he's going to make you. Trust me. Trust your boy. Listen, when you don't open your stuff up to Jesus and you can tell when the Holy Spirit's like, I just want to see if you'll open it up. And you'd be like, I don't, I'm scared to pray. Jesus, I'm scared, dog. I'm scared. I know how you be doing sometimes. And you, I just can't, you know, no, no, God, I love you. If that's you, he going to get it. Because if you can't lay it before him, that means it's an idol. <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking to me too. So listen to me. I'm bleeding right here. You don't even see the streams of blood. Right? But we have to consider that. And so as he, as he walks through it, which I think is so beautiful, what he's saying, we ain't got through no verses. Um, help me today. He says... I know, I like this, and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. It's dope. So now he ministers to the other side. And one of the things he wants to help others who may be a little more Weak and use of legalism. Like, I, I, I mean, let me just tell you something. When I first got saved, I was legalistic. Um, I, I mean, when you really, really get saved radically, everything wrong. <laughs> everything wrong. You know, R-rated movies and PG-13. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, what, what, let, me go, let me go to jamesdobson.com and see what's in it. <laughs> and gore violence. The Bible says thou should not kill. No. You know? <laughs> You know, I was, this is how legalistic I was. I'm getting ahead of myself in the series. I was so legalistic 
that I was like, babe, we're going we're gonna, to we're going to do romantic uh, gospel music. We're not playing no Marvin Gaye. That's how legalistic I was. Now. <laughs> I mean, but when you get saved, you become this legalistic, and I understand it because you're just trying to detox because you just messed up. You know, you're like, I'm, I, I just can't have nothing. I can't go nowhere. You know, that's how it was. But the text is, the text is interesting because the text um, says nothing's unclean. Nothing. That, that, that right there foundationally that's a mindset change. Because if nothing's unclean, it's not that it's unclean, it's my relationship with it. <laughs> okay, so, so now Paul's trying to do some surgery on us. He's saying none of it's unclean. The wheat that goes into making it, the this that goes into that, the that. It's not, listen, it's none of it's unclean in itself. You got to have that little prepositional phrase right there. Right? And it's so, so now, are you trekking with me in the mind renewal process? So everything, the food, the people, the drink, the weed. I'll explain later. I know you're like, what'd you say, Pastor? What'd you say? Right? In itself, everything created by God has a purpose. The issue is not, I know y'all have never heard a pastor say from the pulpit that weed is clean. <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> wow. What a sound bite. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about it. Um, but what I want us to do now is I want us to meditate on that as a reality. Because that's going to begin to say, that because now this is God glorification stuff. God created. That's why the Bible says all things were made for Jesus. That's Colossians 1. You understand what I'm saying? So now you can look at everything differently. If you start with Jesus, that's the purpose clause. That everything was made for Jesus. Then now I can relate to everything differently. Because now everything has a subject purpose statement in heaven. Everything. So, so, that doesn't, so, so that doesn't mean, see, one of the things that we have to re-sanctify is sex in the church. Because sex is a thing, it was always used as the application of what you shouldn't be doing as a tagline in a sermon, but nobody ever taught that sex is clean. Matter of fact, the devil didn't make it. This is how serious God is about sex. In chapter one, he starts talking about it, of Genesis. I mean, am I in the Bible or no? He immediately tells us to be fruitful. I said, hey, God, bless your name today. Thank you, God. <laughs> but, you, but, but look, if we think of sex in terms of shacking and porn and fornication, that's not... That's not the original use. So that's why he's saying here, everything's clean. Right? So we start with it being clean, not in it being sinful. We have to reorder how we, the, I, 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 how, because if you think about it rightly, you'll learn how to enjoy it so much and you'll grow in the way God meant it to be used so much so that the sinful component of it will be a footnote. It says, still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one it is unclean. Now, now, now. Now what he does is, Paul takes a bit of a turn. So what he tell, what he's doing is he's talking to the person, he's talking to both of them. So he talks to the weak Christian who this particular thing, whatever it is, is a struggle to them. He says everything's, he says nothing's unclean. Then he talks 
to the person who is believing everything is all right to say to someone who considers, didn't say it is, listen to the wording, a thing to be unclean to that one it is. So now what he's trying to do is he's trying to communicate a level of biblical love. Jesus in Matthew, Mark chapter 7 verse 19 declared everything clean. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 through 4, it talks about abstaining a form of asceticism, of abstaining from things as a form of righteousness. Acts chapter 10, you have the story of Cornelius, the leader of the Italian cohort, and Peter's story of that, how he declared all things clean, right? But still to someone who considers a thing clean, to that one it is unclean. So sometimes our liberty comes with baggage for some people. That baggage can be several things. Listen to me. Y'all tracking with me still? Something that was a covenant requirement in the past that someone can't shake as important. So say someone, you know, like the whole Sabbath thing. I mean, I, I mean, TikTok is just, the, the comments be toxic. But TikTok is nice. But again, there it is again. All things are clean, but then how we use it. Um, they're, like, I talk to a ton of Hebrew Israelites all the time, and they always harping on the Sabbath, right? And I'm like, but, like, you got on cotton and spandex for your skinny jeans. That's in the law, too. You got on wool and polyester. Keep them laws, too. Do you go into the forest during the Feast of Booze? Is there, is there a temple where the high priest can toss them around his ankle and go in every year? Keep the feast day. I'm like, help me. But when we're talking here, we're talking about people who believe something's a covenant requirement that is still keepable, right? And so sometimes we have to, like, I don't argue with people about the Sabbath unless they try to make it meritorious. What do I mean by meritorious? I say, keep the Sabbath if you want. Keep the festival days if you want, all of them. But if you keep them without Jesus, it doesn't even make sense. What are you doing it for? Like, so for me, like the Bible says in Hebrews 8, that we live in eternal Sabbath. So again, but, but, but when in messing with that person, only time I push back is if they're trying to push it on me as a salvific requirement. Do you understand what I'm saying? But, when I, but when, if they're saying they keep the Sabbath and, and they don't judge me because of it, then I say, go ahead and keep it. It's a good thing. thing do that. I keep a Sabbath. I just don't do it on Saturday. I do it on Monday. And they may have a heart. It's a Monday, God. Anointed Saturday. I say, well, we're not going to argue about that. I do keep a Sabbath. Not that one. And so that's something. Then the second one is someone sinfully interacted with a particular thing. So when someone sinfully acted with a particular thing, everything that has to do with that particular thing is a trigger for them going back into it. So therefore, that's what Paul is talking about for them. And then having a bad experience with it and having a hard time viewing it through eyes of freedom. Um, you know, I went, out, I went out with a preacher. So preach, me and my wife, when I was uh, some preacher friend, preacher friend, his wife, we got to the table. And um, they were like, we just want to let you know we don't drink. I was like, okay. I was like, dang, I said water with lemon. So what just happened? But I knew, I knew, I knew that, oh, that's a soft spot for my brother and sister. So guess what I have to do? I have to treat that carefully around them in whatever way, right? So verse 15, I'm going to have to finish the rest of this next week. It says, for if your brother, no, we may finish it. For if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. This is self-explanatory. Says, do not destroy what you eat. Uh, uh, do, 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 hold on, let me read it because it's, uh, do, do not uh, destroy by what you eat. Someone for whom Christ has died. Ooh, dang it, Paul. Ouch, ouch. Now, when you put it that way, he says, don't kill someone for who Christ was killed for. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, this, this, is, this is interesting. The, the word destroy here means to spiritually harm. That's deep. I had another mentor that said the same thing. We, I don't drink. And I was like, I didn't say anything about drinking. Why do they keep saying that? Um, and he went through how his father was an alcoholic and all of this stuff. And I said, you know, yeah, okay, you know. But for me, knowing people's sensitivities is very, very important. And so we, we, as, a, as a, strong, a strong Christian must live in love and not violate the conscience of a weaker brother or sister. Right? By what you eat. Uh, th- 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 in other words, uh, th- he's thinking of this as freedom. By, he's saying freedom, but he's saying by whatever you eat. And then he says, for someone whom Christ died. So what I want us to begin to do during this series, we'll finish this up. <laughs> but one of the things that I um, want us to begin to do is enjoy life. Hear me what I'm saying. I want you to enjoy life. But let me explain to you what freedom is. Freedom is to enjoy God, enjoy his people, and enjoy his world on his terms. Let me say it again. Freedom is to enjoy God, his world, and his people on his terms. So, I'm not not telling anyone to stop or push at anybody today, but I I want us during this series to be thinking about ways to maximize our witness as a believer and to have a healthy disposition. But again, this is the, this, this part here, I'm closing, I promise, is I want us to really, really think through what in my life in general is God saying, man, I don't really need this in it. And in whatever I am doing, How can I use it as common ground? Because some people in the church, and and I want to challenge it during this series, some things that you think are wrong aren't. Because listen, being a stumbling block means it causes you to sin. It doesn't mean you just don't like it. That's not a stumbling block. That means you're legalistic. And so we're going to work through this. And y'all going to hang with me through it? Y'all sure? All right. Well, Christ died um, so that we could be free. Freedom is wonderful. Freedom is a great joy. Um, My life, I know my life isn't the same. Since I met him. How many of your life not the same since you met Jesus? <laughs> Amen. 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 Maybe you're here today and you've never put your confidence in him. Well, the most important thing that he brings is freedom. He brings freedom to enjoy the world differently. He gives you freedom uh, from sin, death, wrath. But it's not what you're just what you're freed from. You're freed to be with him and be in relationship with him and relationship with one another. If you're here today, every head by every eye closed. Anyone here wants to put their confidence in Lord Yahshua? If you want to put your confidence in him. Hold your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about his death and resurrection. Anyone that says, I want to I say, say yes to Jesus today. Maybe you're online. If you're in the chat, our search team will reach out to you. You want to put your confidence in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the grave. For you. Well, amen. Well, let's... um. Exercise a major freedom. Let's get our hearts and mind ready for communion. Hearts and minds ready for communion. Anyone doesn't have the elements, hold your hand in the air so that we can get that to you.
Yes, Lord. I be lifted up. <laughs> yes. Stand to your feet, if you don't mind. If you can, please do. Um, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, took the bread. Bread is for us to always be reminded that our Savior died for us. I like the verse in the text today that says, don't destroy someone in whom Christ died for. I know a lot of times during communion, we remember that Christ died for us. But today I want us to meditate on the fact that God died for your neighbor. Let's eat together. This is blood. I like being in an old Pentecostal Baptist church where you start singing them blood songs. It just hit the church different. Um, <laughs> why does it hit so different? Because he who is forgiven much is thankful much. And if you had something that he delivered you from and that his blood was spilled for, then you drink this with happiness, with grace, and with thanksgiving. Let us drink together. Lord, Lord Almighty, you are our God. What a privilege to be called by your name. <laughs> and God, you want those who are called by your name to live by your name. So help us to do so. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you ask or think according to the power that's at work within you. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Just one, one quick thing I want you to note. On um, Easter Sunday, we'll be rolling this out, but on Easter Sunday, we will be going to two gatherings. And so, so we'll have two gatherings for good. I ain't going to three. I'm not. So I'm just telling y'all, I love y'all. I'll shoot a video to you, you know. But um, we got some things in the works we want to talk to our membership about that will give us a chance here to expand our space. We'll be talking to you about that pretty soon. But we're going to two gatherings, so don't forget that. God bless you. Love you. Take care and have a wonderful week. Lord, say the same. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We